And keep in mind that God has already called him. Gideon has argued with God. God has affirmed Gideon. I'm so thankful for the patience of God. Gideon has already taken massive steps of faith to tear down the altar of Baal. And his father came to his defense. Such great passages. But keep that in mind in verse 33. Then all the Midianites and the Amalekites and the children of the east were gathered together and went over and pitched in the valley of Jezreel. Okay, there's a saying. It's about to get real. It's, it's kind of like people who join the military and it's like, yeah, everybody pats you on the back and celebrates you. Then you get on the bus and you get off the bus where there's a very kind and gentle drill sergeant just waiting to affirm your feelings and encourage you and tell you how special you are and that everything your grandma said about you was true. I mean, that's what they, that's what they say. It, no, it's about to get real. And, it, and it's great to follow God until the armies show up. <laughs> and the children of the east were gathered together and went over and pitched in the valley of Jezreel. But the Spirit of the Lord came upon Gideon and he blew a trumpet. And Abiezer was gathered after him and he sent messengers throughout all Manasseh who also was gathered after him, and he sent messengers unto Asher and unto Zebulun and unto Naphtali, and they came up to meet them. And Gideon said unto God, If thou wilt save Israel by mine hand, as thou hast said, behold, I will put a fleece of wool in the floor. And if the dew be on the fleece only, and it be dry upon all the earth beside, then shall I know that thou wilt save Israel by mine hand, as thou hast said. And it was so, for he rose up early on the morrow and thrust the fleece together and wringed the dew out of the fleece, a bowl full of water. And Gideon said unto God, let not thine anger be hot against me. Have you ever needed God to encourage you more than once? Have you ever needed to talk to him more than once? Have you ever needed more than one message? Had you, have you ever needed more than one prayer? Man, we can get so spiteful of men who didn't even have the Bible like we have it, doing some amazing things. And you're like, man, why? He's already, you've already argued with him several verses ago, days ago, and he's affirmed you. You saw the offering that he consumed with fire, and you're needing it again. Yeah, sometimes we need his affirmation again. He said, let not thine... Anger be hot against me, and I will speak, but this once, let me prove, I pray thee, but this once with the fleece, let it now be dry only upon the fleece, and upon all the ground let there be dew. And God did so that night, for it was dry upon the fleece only, and there was dew on all the ground. Then notice this, then Jeroboam, who is Gideon, and all the people that were with him rose up early. Title is this. It'll make more sense in a little bit, I hope. Live in the deep end. Don't be content with shallow end Christianity. Where you can always be in control and you can always predict. Learn to live in the deep end. God, I'm thankful that we get to serve you. I'm thankful for my brothers and sisters. It's, it's great to have our guests with us, Lord. We're always thankful for guests within our community, but then the brothers from Sioux Falls, from Eastside, uh, God, we're thankful for that church, for the way 
that ministry has been a help to us through preaching at camp the last couple of years, Lord. Just, and we thank you that, I thank you that our family here can put some faces to men that would support and encourage a pastor like these men and their families do. And uh, I pray that you'd bless them and, and be with them. Then, God, I just I want to thank you for my brothers and my sisters that I get to serve you with. And it, it's already been a good day. It has been a long day. And, and I know people are tired. I'm so proud of them. I'm thankful for a family like this that just steps up. And, and they're going to be tired, but they step up. And there's more to do, but they're going to step up. I appreciate that. But, Lord, I pray that you'd use this message to be an encouragement and where it needs to be to be convicting, to be helpful. And God, you know my wrestling with aspects of this. Just Please help that not to be confusing, and let there be clarity in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Thanks so much for standing. So Jaron, our baby, is uh, seven years old. He's never... He's never really been afraid of the water, and we have quite a few stories about that that still kind of make our skin crawl with God's mercy in our lives and in his life. Um, but when, when he got big enough and, and he started learning how to swim, and he couldn't quite yet swim, but you know the stage where you're learning how to swim but you can't quite swim, where it's like you're a cork that has a fish on the back of the line, you're just kind of bobbing up and down underneath the water, and it's like... Oh, you can swim. Oh, you can't. Oh, you can swim. Oh, you can't. Oh, you can swim. And it's like, Daddy, Daddy, I'm swimming. Look at me. That kind of thing. Not calling for help. It's like, look, I'm swimming. No, you're really not swimming. And you're just kind of there in place. And you're really not going anywhere because your arms are about, you know, six inches long. And you're just doggy paddling. Well, he would, he would if we were traveling as a family, we always try to, I mean, if you're going to travel as a family, and you don't have a swimming pool, it's a necessity to get a hotel that has swimming pools in it. It's like, we're not going to be swimming a lot, so let's find one. And so Andrea's calling. We, we don't care about anything else. There, there can, it doesn't matter what creatures are in the hotel bed. They got to have a swimming pool. I mean, like chiggers, bed bugs, lice. Okay, maybe that's not exactly true, but we just... We need to have a swimming pool. And so the kids, hey, we're going to go swimming. And they have these steps that go down. But you know how it is with the steps. The step, when you jump off the steps in the shallow end, you're literally just jumping into a puddle. And so I've, this has happened with all of our kids. They, they would stand there on the end where it's comfortable, where it's easy, where it's predictable, where they don't have to go very far in the water before they hit something solid, and they say, hey, daddy, watch this, I'm going to jump in, and they jump in, I say, hey, good job, why don't you come down here where your feet don't touch, and jump in, and, and different ones have gone through this in different ways, and, and some have just had more courage or insanity, whatever it is, um, but some have needed a lot of affirmation, and, and they would get on that edge where it's deeper, and by deep, we're talking like five feet, Look, I, okay, side note, I love the fact that some of my kids still think I'm tall. Still just, most of them have figured it out. But man, it's like, Daddy, I'm going to be as big as you one day. I'm like, aim high, buddy. That's fantastic. <laughs> they, 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 like, the five foot in, they're like, Dad, this is so deep. Uh, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to jump in. But, but then they, they, you know how kids will hesitate? Some of them, not all of them. Some of ours didn't hesitate. And it's like, we better make sure we're down there before they send it. But some of them would hesitate, and they would say something like this, Daddy, can you, get, can you come closer? And I would say, okay, I'm going to be right here, and I promise I'm going to catch you, but I'm not going to catch you until you get all the way in. 
And they'd say, okay, okay, and they'd start to jump, and they'd say, Daddy, Daddy, can you, can you, can you jump in? Or, Daddy, can you be closer before I jump in? And say, yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be there, but you, you have to be willing to, to jump in. And, and I was I'm always interested by the struggle that they go through. They, they would get the affirmation, but they weren't going to realize the reality of that affirmation until they were willing to step off the edge. Until they were willing to take the, in essence, to take the plunge. And it wasn't something that they weren't commanded or instructed to do. It was something from their authority that they were being challenged to do. As I've mentioned, God has already affirmed Gideon and his calling and purpose for his life. In verse 12 through 13, he tells Gideon, you're a mighty man of valor. And Gideon's response, if you remember, was this. If you're with us, then where are all your miracles? And we worked through that, how that don't blame on God what is a result of your sin. God hadn't changed. They had just forsaken God. And then he tells Gideon to go. In the next verses, go in this thy might. In verse 14, in 15, and he says, this is your might that I'm going to be with you. And Gideon turns from blaming God to then looking at how insignificant he is. He says, look, I'm, I'm from the least of the tribes. I'm, I'm from the smallest family. I've got nothing to offer. Surely if you're going to do something great in Israel, it wouldn't be through someone like me. And I'm thankful that God doesn't need people who are socially significant to do an eternally significant work through them and with them. And so he continues to affirm him, and he, he tells him, insisting with him over and over again, listen, Gideon, I'm going to be with you. And I, man, I don't want you to lose sight of this. We, we sometimes get this view of God that he gets agitated like we get agitated. No, God is angry at sin. But the things that make us agitated, we would, be, we would have a small view of God to think he gets agitated the way that we do, to impose upon him our short fuses and our impatient and impatience and the way we get irritated with people who need affirmation and following him. He is long-suffering. He is patient. He is slow to anger. And I don't see anything in this text that indicates God had a short fuse with Gideon and was sitting here stomping around saying, will you just do it? Look, to my shame, I have been like that with my children. No, you affirm him a couple of times, and you're like, will you just get it? But I thank God that we serve a God who isn't in heaven saying, will you just get it? He is a patient, loving God who over and over and over again works through our struggles with, with us. So, man, he, he, he surrenders. The, he has the offering. The angel takes the offering. He's consumed with fire. Gideon then goes and he tears down the altar and, man, I can hear the naysayers. Well, the text says he did it by night because he was afraid. Hey, at least he was willing to take action. And action is better than no action. And even if it wasn't in broad daylight, it was, by the way, it was still noticed. There was still a price that he had to be willing to pay and then God takes care of him through that. But now we arrive at the horizon of the moment that God has called him for and that is to combat this incredible enemy, we read about their numbers in verse 33. Then all the Midianites and the Amalekites and the children of the east were gathered together. You don't have to know a lot about the history to understand the implication that this is a lot of people. You turn over to chapter 7, please, and look at verse 12. We see another indication of the scope of of quantity 
And the Midianites and the Amalekites and all the children of the east lay along in the valley like what? Okay, we have around here Mormon crickets. Okay, look, if you're on a bike trail, hiking trail, on the road, they can cover it. No, and, it, and it's impossible to count. They're, they're not there by the hundreds. They're not by, there by the thousands. I don't even think they're there by the hundreds of thousands. When you begin to scope out a, a, a stretch of land where you can just see these things everywhere, they're there by the millions. And when the text says that these people filled this valley like grasshoppers, the implication is that they were there by the hundreds, by the thousands, maybe even more than that. So many that they're there as far as the eye can see. That's the enemy. It goes on to say, for multitude and their camels were without number, as the sand by the seaside for multitude. Okay, look, great logic here. And this is just for free. If they have that many camels, that means they have that many people. You know why you would have more camels than you can count? Because you have more people than you can count. Because you need something to be able to ride on. So here's Gideon. He has already wrestled with himself. He's wrestled with God, and God has helped him through that. He has taken a step of faith to clean up his own house, and now he has blown this trumpet, and the armies are assembled. But when the Midianites and the Amalekites begin to fill the valley that is before him, and he looks out over it, he is overwhelmed at the size of it. Look, let's just be honest. It's one thing to tear down an altar in your backyard. It's another thing to face a countless horde that wants to, that has wrecked so much of your country and that wants to destroy you and to continue laying waste to you and to look at them and then with your army and remembering, he doesn't know this yet, his army's pretty decent at this point, it's about to get a whole lot smaller. And to look at that and to know that God has called you to confront this massive force and see you know what happens he's standing on the edge and he needs to be affirmed one more time it's big no I, I already knew it was big but I'm standing here and it's bigger than I realized I just God I need you to affirm my faith one more time you say where do you get that from Look at verse 36. And Gideon said unto God, If thou wilt save Israel by mine hand, as thou hast said, behold, I will put a fleece of wool. And so he goes through this two different times. First he says, I'm going to put a fleece of wool out and let dew only be on the fleece of wool and dry on the ground. And there's so much water the next morning in that fleece that he's able to fill up a bowl and I don't think it was kind of a teacup bowl. I imagine that this was a significant sized bowl. And he's able to fill it up with water. There's so much dew that is in that. And, and it was just enough, it was so much water so that it affirmed. This isn't some kind of fluke. There's so much here and nothing on the ground around it to affirm Gideon that this is of God. And then I love his, I love his hesitancy because sometimes I feel very hesitant approaching God. Okay, let, let me give you an example. I, I, I do work at this, and I fail at it. I stink at it, but I keep working at it. I mean, I, I work at trying to get everybody's name straight, and as guests come in, and, and I just, man, I work at trying to know their names, and I repeat it to them and repeat it to them, and then I have to go back to them and say, I know you've told me, please 
please forgive me. And can I tell you inside, I get embarrassed for having to ask again. You know what I'm talking about? I've asked, I'm going to see somebody, you're going to visit somebody, I've never been to the house. And, and I understand you have technology today, but you say, okay, how do I get to your house? Well, this is how you do it. And then you get lost and you have to call them up. Look, I'm sorry. And then you get lost again. And you just have to keep asking. I know you've told me how to do this, but can you remind me? I know you've told me what to do here, but can you remind me? And, and we, we get squeamish about having to ask repeatedly because we get impatient when we're asked repeatedly. But I don't, there's nothing in here that indicates that God. No, Gideon thought he would be. But that's not an indictment on God. That just shows how uninformed Gideon was about his God. He says, okay, God, in so many words, don't be angry with me. I'm going to ask this one thing. Instead of letting the dew be in the fleece, let the dew be on the ground only and let the fleece be dry. And sure enough, it was as Gideon had asked. And then in verse number one of chapter seven, when God affirmed him, he took action. Look, it's one thing to need affirmation, but at some point, you got to go. You got to move forward with what it is that God wants you to do. I want to give you some warnings about fleeces for a moment. And, and, and I'm, not, I'm not knocking anybody. We just, we just have to be careful about taking a an example that was the exception in making it the rule. Okay, for example, this. The fleece was not for direction. The fleece was for affirmation of the direction that God had already commanded. No, some people live their lives this way. I was driving down the road one day and I saw a radio tower and I knew God wanted me to start a radio ministry. Well, that happens to me all the time. I, I see Bugattis and Corvettes, and I know God wants me to have those. <laughs> Lamborghinis. What did you buy me, Brother Andrew? You brought me a Ferrari. I forget. There's so many things. No, I've got a Ferrari in my office. Brother Andrew bought it for me. Yeah, it's that kind of Ferrari. <laughs> no, no, I, was, I just, I, I looked, and, and man, I, I knew because of, of this thing that happened. And I'm not saying God can't use those things, and God can't work that way, but sometimes we can approach life as though that God has to perform all these things for us to know what it is that we're supposed to do. But you got to get this, the fleece was not for direction, it was for affirmation of the direction that had already been revealed through, get it, what God said. The fleece is not commanded. We're not, I, as far as I know, I could be wrong, and I'm serious about this. I'm not being sarcastic. God didn't tell Gideon to throw out a fleece. Gideon's thinking, man, this is so big. I need you to affirm it. How can I make this such that if it is of you, it's going to be a miracle? I mean, if you're going to put out a fleece, man, it needs to be a big one. Something that only God can do, and so he did it. The fleece was evidence of God's willingness to affirm his child. It, it, wasn't, it wasn't affirming Gideon's doubt. It was affirming his child that he was using and that was being responsive to him. And, and last of all, please get this. You don't need a fleece for something the Bible already commands. You don't need fleeces. For what? 
the Bible commands. You should not live your life by the fleece. But there is a positive point in this. And I love this. I love that Gideon was stepping out in faith against such overwhelming odds that he needed divine affirmation to help him take the final few steps. This is what I mean. God wasn't telling Gideon to live in the shallow end. God was telling Gideon to live in the deep end. And the result, the reality of living in the deep end of faith sometimes is that you are going to need God to affirm you. Not God to give you a new direction, but for God to come alongside you and affirm you that you are in fact living in a right direction. So here's the question that I posed to, that, that came to my mind and that I want to pose to you. I'll ask it for me and then I'll ask it for you. What are, Jonathan, what are you doing in life that causes you to need God's affirmation? What in your life is so far away from the shallow end, not just on some random whim, but because you know God wants you there, where in your life do you need God's affirmation? I want to ask you the same question. What are you doing in life that causes you to need God's affirmation? I think we view some of this the wrong way. Because you look at every person that God used in significant ways, most of them needed God to come alongside of them. And the reason we never need God to affirm us is because we never live by faith that requires us to get beyond the steps that we can be in control of. I'm not advocating for asking for some kind of fleece. I'm advocating for living a life that requires you to have a walk with God where you need him to affirm you. I'm not encouraging carelessness or recklessness, but simply taking what we know of his truth and saying that should be affecting my life in a significant way. So here's the statement. It's a simple one. Take action that needs his affirmation. Don't do something ridiculous, but be willing to hear from God and be willing to allow God to direct you in a way that is outside of your comfort zone. To direct you in a way that requires his affirmation in your life in order for you to keep going. I'm not talking about carelessly creating a crisis and going out and dreaming up something that God didn't command. But I am talking about having a bigger view of what God can do in your life than what you think is possible and believing that he is a great God. Something like this. Church, I don't know if it's going to happen, but we ought to have some goals about missions. And so let's aim for the deep end of the missions pool. And rather than just saying, hey, let's just support whatever we can and be happy with that, how about we ask God to work in our hearts and to enable us to intersect with the right people at the right time so that one day that wall out there, the visions, the global vision, there are missionaries that we support in every country that is on the map. I'm talking about deep end living. Look, since I announced that, I've already had to battle doubts. Like, what's wrong with you? And then be reminded by God. 
Listen, not your job to know where it ends. It is your job just to have a goal that you are striving for to impact the entire world with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Deep end living. What does that look like personally? I'm glad you asked. Here's, please get this. So the statement is take action that needs his affirmation. Get this statement. It's kind of like the sub point to that statement. You don't have to go far to go deep. <laughs> okay. Can I illustrate? Thank you. All right. So in the swimming pool, shallow pool, get it. Steps. Oh, look at me. Yeah, you're so proud. <laughs> look at me. In a hotel pool, you don't have to go a long way to get to the deep end. And you're there. We talk about living by faith, living in the deep end. Sometimes we think that means, man, I'm going to Africa. No, I'll talk about that in a minute, because I, I, I don't just want to support missionaries from other churches. I want God to let us send out our own. But you know what has to happen for that? Somebody's got to be willing to go at some point. It's not my job to call you, but I will talk about it. And just n- not to force it. Man, young people, I don't care what your occupation is. And you better talk to your parents before you ever talk to me. My only desire is that at some point in your life you have said, God, what do you want me to do with my life? Not, de- not designed your scenario and then said, okay, God, bless that scenario. But just let God direct you. But to my brothers and sisters whose lives are established and you're moving in a direction, you hear me preach a message like this and you think, man, what is he talking about? Is he talking about selling everything and moving to Africa? No, that's not, that's not necessarily what I'm aiming for. Keep it in mind. You don't have to go far in order to go deep. Here's what I mean by this. You are walking around the deep end of faith all the time, but you just don't want to get in. Okay, so what, again, what does that look like? How about this? Taking a tract with you and passing it out to somebody. You know what being a witness is? Deep end Christianity. Just, hey, can I invite you to church? You know, it's so easy just to be like, smile and be nice. No. I mean, for some of you it is. I mean, you should, man. People... People should see you in Walmart and be like, how are they so happy in here? Do you realize people get mad when they have to go to Walmart? Costco? I mean, I like Costco because they have a dollar hot dog and a Coke. Like, babe, you take care of the chores. Just let me minister to myself with this large Coke and this hot dog. I mean, whatever. No, it's just smile at people. You ought to, a Christian ought to be happy. And Miss Sonia is in the presence of Jesus Christ right now. You have heaven as your home. We ought to be happy as children of God. It doesn't mean life is easy and everything's perfect. We ought to be happy. But man, that's, can I just be honest? That is the minimum for a child of God. Oh, I'm happy about belonging to God. Yeah, right. I, I should be. We act like we're mature because we enjoy Jesus. Is this making sense? 
No, he's the one that did all the heavy lifting for that. All I did was receive it and believe in him, and he changed me and saved me and delivered me. I'm happy about belonging to God. Hallelujah for it. I'm in. I'm a part of it. But I believe God wants to do more than just us enjoying it. I wonder what God could do with you if you were able to take just a few steps to the left and say, God, I don't, I don't just want to be happy about you. I want to share my happiness about you with somebody. I mean, let me, can I ask for some transparency from our church family? How many of you have determined to pass out a track or to witness to somebody and then you got scared? Raise your hand. Raise your, no, raise your hand. No, I'm there. Both hands. I'll stand on the chairs. No, I have. You know what I've had to do? I've had to go to God. God, I know I shouldn't struggle with this, but I do, and I need your help. And you know what he's been faithful to do every single time that I was willing to let him? Just jump. Just, just do it. And we get this pressure on ourselves, like, I have to do it the exact right way. Do you understand God can do far more with your limited ability than you think is possible? Just, you don't have to go far to live in the deep end. Since you're enjoying this so much, let me talk about something else. Living a life of forgiveness. Man, I'm, I'm amazed at the number of people who can enjoy being saved, but not share the forgiveness that has been granted to them. You know what you're doing? You're just walking around the shallow end. And God's saying, hey, if you just take a few steps this way, you would see that I could do some amazing things in your life. No, I'm saying you don't have to go far to go deep. Talking about missions. Man, mission, missions is, you say, how are we going to do that? Well, in part, we're going to do it by individuals. Like, Miss Sandy is not responsible to give what anybody else gives. She's just responsible to say, God, whether it's a dollar or whether it's a thousand dollars, it doesn't matter. The amount is, in, is, is insignificant to God. What is significant, significant, I need to get back in the shallow end. What is significant to God is the obedience and the willingness to say, God, if I'm given a dollar, if you tell me, I'll give a dollar fifty. Not what does the pastor think, not what do the trustees think, not what is everybody else going to think, because it doesn't matter, and that's not how we do it. It's just, God, I'm going to be obedient to give to missions, and then God, watch God take a 50 cent increase and do amazing things with it. Now stay with me. You don't have to go far to get in the deep end. Maybe God is working on your heart about something more significant. Can I encourage you with this? You're not going to get to those more significant things if you're not willing to start by just taking a few steps. You don't have to go far to go deep. This is what I'm not advocating for, man, we need to come in with fleeces and be casting them around all the time. This is what I think. If we were to start obeying the Bible to the degree that we're supposed to, it's going to stretch our faith in ways that we never imagined. You don't have to go far to go deep. So, what actions are you taking that require God's affirmation? I, okay, I just, I got to talk about a few more things. Hey, get, look at me, girls. Guys, look at me. Living a pure life in this world is possible. Look at me. Look at me. Yeah, I don't, I don't care about anything that, that, that's happened before you were here in your past. I'm talking about from this point on in your life, living a pure life is possible 
You can stand at a wedding altar one day, and you can stand there being right with God. But you know what you're going to need? You're going to need God's affirmation. And you, and you guys, look at me. I know you are young men, but you better get a handle on the fact that you have to learn how to walk with God. Because with technology and with temptation, you are going to need to learn how to depend on God when your mama's not around to talk to you and your daddy's not around to hold you accountable. And when professors at a Bible college aren't looking or when fellow students at a Bible college or a secular college are telling you to do the things that you know are wrong. You're going to need God to affirm you. He can. I hope you get this. Don't, don't be content just to live in the shallow end where it's like, yep, I'm saved. Saved. No, let's just, we take a few steps to the left. You're where, it, you're where it's starting to get over your head. But God's going to be there every single time. And I go on, talk about breaking habit. Listen, nobody is saved by their works. You're not saved by your works. You say, Pastor, I'm struggling with some really bad stuff. You're not saved because of what you struggle with or you don't struggle with. Salvation is exclusively by the grace of Jesus Christ. But man, God doesn't want you living in the shallow end of just being saved. He wants you to live in the deeper end of victory and abundant life in Jesus Christ. You're like, I'm going to need some affirmation. Yeah, and you can have it if you get down to this altar and say, God, I'm going to get rid of some technology in my life. I'm going to hold myself accountable. I'm going to be willing to let people in. I'm going to be willing to serve. I'm going to be willing to stop making excuses for holding on to my attitude. I'm going to be willing to humble myself. I'm going to be willing to get on board. I'm going to be willing to do the things that I know I'm supposed to do. Just a step over. What actions are you taking that need his affirmation? You don't have to go far to live in the deep end. We have a God who affirms the deep end faith. And you don't have to go to Africa to live it. You can wake up tomorrow and say, God, I need you just to do right today. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes. And I'm tell you, I'm thankful that God, I'm thankful that God affirmed me over and over again, different things. Whether it's parenting, raising your kids, living the right kind of life, being a witness, man, I'm thankful that God has affirmed me, just helped me. If God, if there's areas in your life where you need to take a step, just step or two to get to the deep end God is there to affirm you what actions do you need to take to live needing his affirmation I don't want to live a life in the shallow end I'm not talking about recklessness I'm not talking about carelessness but I am talking about living where I need him to affirm me and then having confidence that over and over and over and over again he'll affirm me with every head bowed every eye closed would there be anyone that would raise their hand and say I I could get a little deeper than I am. And I need God's help too. I need it. Yep. Let's stand. If God has spoken to your heart, some have already come. If God has spoken to your heart, you respond to the Lord while Brother Nate begins to sing.